turned me on a couple seconds early, Danny. <laughs> oh, he is. He's full of surprises. We're really glad you're here, Denny. You're the only man in the whole house, I think. I'm glad. you, God. You are the image of the invisible God, you, Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by you all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, or authorities. All things were created through you, and for you, and to you. So we are humbled women. God Almighty, God who is incomprehensible and all gracious and all compassionate who has invited us to come and access your throne today. We come hungry. We come thirsty. We come seeking. And then we claim your promises that those who seek you find you when we seek you with all of our heart. And so we open up our hands this morning, and may every word of my mouth that is said only be your word. Lord, may nothing about me distract any woman here from seeing you and hearing you only today. Lord, we're going to stand on our rampart, stand on our watchtower, and we're going to look to see what you have to say to us this morning with anticipation because you're a God who keeps all of his promises. Thank you for what you're about to do in the hearts of these precious women and Denny. In your name, amen. I was just struggling over there a little bit. I wasn't sure um, I wanted to this verse just falls out on the ground. Isn't that neat how God does that? That doesn't just happen. Thank you so much, Lord. Okay. My, you have this <laughs> outline that thing. Okay. I'm going to do my best. But I'm not stuck to it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just not stuck to it. <clears throat> but God has given me um, some direction this morning, and I feel like he's given me a true word from him, and so that might help you. <laughs> we'll just see. I confuse you. I don't know. <clears throat> I just so appreciated you walking with me last night um, through 
some mud puddle talk and just through really before that, just trying to focus on the God that we're serving that's made himself accessible to us. And um, uh, just the reminder that even though he's a God who is so transcendent, he's just through the, through the blood of Jesus and through his body and his resurrection, the giving of his Holy Spirit, isn't it just truly amazing that we can, we have access to God? Uh, I just want to encourage you, keep digging into this all your life, you know? <laughs> Please keep digging, because someone can be really, really thirsty, um, but if, they, if they're not searching for that which can quench their thirst, they're just going to stay thirsty. And I think you're here because you're hungry. That's exciting. So we're going to turn to several passages today, but um, the main one that God kept laying on my heart um, is again, we're going to look again in Isaiah 30. And this, um, I mentioned to you last night, is such a powerful, powerful, really applicable chapter, even even though it's in the Old Testament. (laughs) And it's through the prophet Isaiah, who you never met. (laughs) Um, So very applicable to us. I hope you could see that last night a little bit in some of those verses that we read where, you know, at the beginning where God said, oh, don't be stubborn, children. You act like you want to hear from me, but you're not really willing to listen. And sometimes I even lay out the plan for you, but you're not willing to follow it. I mean, we have a certain level of responsibility, don't we? Well, I got to take you um, down to verse 18 because we see something here about God that he showed me one morning and I just about jumped out of my skin because I never thought of him as uh, what I titled because I couldn't think of a better one, awaiting God. So that fits your note someplace, I'm thinking. So could you put that up, Alice? Thank you so much. And I... I um, Ever since Nancy Phelps hung around here for a while, you know, some of you remember Nancy. Um, She really got me turned on years ago to the Amplified Bible because the Amplified Bible takes several different versions and kind of puts them together. And I don't read it all the time because it's much more wordy. But I had to show it to you, in case you don't have it, um, this verse. And I just want to walk through this verse with you a minute. (laughs) Therefore, now now wait, therefore is a big word, right? So this comes right after he's saying, hey, if you're just going to go back to Egypt, where I, remember this, where I took you out of, I freed you from slavery. He's freed us from slavery, ladies. So I freed you from slavery. You want to go back there? Because they have fast horses and chariots, and you're not going to listen to me? Okay, then you're going to be left on the hill by yourself like a flagpole my version of that. And then he says, therefore, the Lord waits. What? Therefore, this is the gospel, therefore, the Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. Why? Because he's a God of justice. Blessed, happy, and fortunate are all those who long for him. 
presence, he will never fail them. So don't you love this? In the ESV, it's really clear too. The Lord waits, and I think it's the last line in, um, in that verse too. It says, so wait for him, basically. So in my Bible, I drew these lines of, ooh, the Lord waits. He's calling me to wait. This is a waiting God who's waiting for me, and so I'm waiting for him, and he's waiting for me. Right? He's a waiting God. And we know this because we know the passage in Scripture that says that he waits. He, he longs to see us accept him as our Lord and Savior, right? He patiently waits so that we will come to know him. So he waits expectantly because he knows. He's not waiting and wondering. He's waiting expectantly. And he longs to be gracious to you. He can hardly wait. Doesn't it say? He rises to show compassion to his children. I use that so many times. When you're talking with someone who's just hurting, if you, God, he rises up in the morning. This is how I picture it. With a purpose of showing compassion to his children. He so longs for this. Like the, son, like the prodigal son and his dad, who's just longing for them to come. So last night, we were standing on a rampart on the watchtower, and we're waiting, and we're watching, and we're seeing, and we still are, right? Right today, we're waiting, and we're watching to see what the Lord will say to us. And he's waiting, and watching, and longing to be gracious to you. And so he waits on high to have compassion on you. Why? Because he's a God of justice. <laughs> Blessed are you who long for him. He will never, ever fail you. Never fail you. As you wait for him. I just love that verse. And the verses following this talk about how to do this. How do we wait? What does it really mean for us to wait? Because he's a God of justice. What does that mean? And so if you look in the next verse, in verse 19, you're going to need to have your Bible open to this passage because we're going to work through a couple verses here. Um, it says, let me read it in the ESV this time, For people shall dwell in Zion in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. He's saying to you, ladies, so cry. Cry out while you're waiting. This is how you wait. You cry. You cry out. Psalm 41, if you want to jot a couple of these down or look them up, Psalm 41, 14. Just listen if you want to. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, her. I will protect her because she acknowledges my name. She will call upon me and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her. And I will honor her. You know what happened to Jonah when he, got, when he called out to the Lord in distress and the Lord 
answered him, it says in Jonah 2, verse 2. He cried from the depth, from the mud puddle. <laughs> and God heard his voice. And you know the story about the Israelites groaning in their slavery in Exodus chapter 22, verse 23. It says that the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites because they cried out. And he was concerned about them. And he delivered them from slavery. I just want to touch on one more. And it's this beautiful passage. You, you might know this psalm in Psalm 18. <clears throat> if you want to look at it. Psalm 18 is a, um, a reflection of 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 7. Where David was just, I think they just conquered the Gibeonites. the big battle. And he is... He's coming, he's saying, oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, my strength. The Lord, thank you so much for that song this morning. It's so perfect. You're my stronghold, my fortress. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. Verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. Now listen to this. It's kind of the same words almost that Jonah uses. <clears throat> the cords of death encompassed me, and the torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shale entangled me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, verse 6, I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. And from his temple... And my cry to him, it reached his ears. I love it when this is the same thing. I, you compare these patches, passages and you know this is powerful. And then the next word in verse 7, I wasn't going to go on but I have to, is the word then. Because it says, then the earth reeled and rocked and the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked. Because he was angry, and smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth, and glowing coals flamed forth from him, and he bowed the heavens, and came down, and thick darkness was under his feet, and he rode on a cherub, and flew, and he came swiftly on the wings of the wind, and he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water, out of the brightness before him, hailstones, and Coals of fire broke through the clouds, and the Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, and it's showing his justice and his sovereignty and his majesty. It starts with a cry. It starts with a cry. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. So this is the first command that we see here in Isaiah chapter 30, how to wait. The second one is seen as the passage continues. Exodus 
as soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you, this is a tough verse. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teacher, the NIV says, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. And as soon as you cry, I will answer. But you must stand on your watchtower. You got to stand up there and look and see. Right? consistency of scripture now check this out I had I had Tana put this on one slide because I was so excited and so very confused when I was reading this <laughs> so first I read the ESV and I got all pumped and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction I'm not so excited about that but just a little bit yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore but your eyes shall see your teacher. And I'm a teacher. I, I teach about 30 kids a week that come into my home, and I love these kids. I'm so passionate about teaching these middle schoolers how to write well. And some of them do math. <laughs> but this teacher part of me, I love my students. And I pray every summer, Lord, give me the homeschool students you want me to teach because I'm going to pour my life into them. And some of them I have for up to four years. And by the time our fourth year is done, we love each other. And so when I see this, your teacher will not hide himself anymore. The sweetness of a teacher who loves, who loves his student. Well, then I looked up at the NIV, and it says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teacher's... Uh-oh, there's a small T. I'm all confused. Your teachers, now there's more than one, will be hidden no more with you, no more, and with you your eyes will see them. Oh, boy. What do we do when we see something like this in Scripture and we're not understanding it? Do we just close our Bible and say, Lord, show me something? Or do we take responsibility and say, I'm going to go another step here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study this, and find out what the deal is. To me, this is really exciting because I trust, I trust the inerrancy of Scripture and the consistency of Scripture. I also know, however, that sometimes there's different versions and that different people have different takes on different versions, right? And so I did some study, and I asked my man, and he didn't know for sure, so he showed me how to study this up a little bit. And he actually was studying the book of Isaiah. So we looked in some commentaries, and it was so exciting. I could hardly wait to share this with you because this I want to encourage you to get into the Word and to dig a little bit. Dig into the Word because this is food. This is what you stand on when your life gets shook up. And you've got to find a foundation on which to stand. There is no other foundation. You know what I'm talking about. You, you're all in a shaken up life, or you've been in one. 
So dig into the word. And do you know what you would find here in Hebrew? Okay, I've got to be able to say this right. Teacher up here is plural because it's the plural of the word majesty. Wrap your head around this and tell me you're going to get excited because it's not more than one teacher. This is the more, I can't find another word better than, I, all I can find, I, I keep saying the more and moreness. It's probably not a word at all, but it's the more and more and moreness of God. That's what this is. So this one in, in the way that you're thinking right now is probably more accurate, but you can't do it without seeing the moreness of God. It's the plural of majesty. Referring to the Lord as the great teacher. Now, we would have to look at this both in its Hebrew and in its context, right? So we always look at the text in its context to check for that. And if you look back, in fact, we read a verse last night in verse 9 that says, of the same chapter, um, the children were unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. And he's referred to several times as the one who gives the instruction in this chapter. And so when you continue in that chapter and it says this, you know that they're talking about Jesus, about God, about the majesty of God. This is this, when you see teachers up there, so it's not more than one teacher, it's the plural, or the more than one, or the, um, it's like in Hebrew they use holy, holy, holy. It's the same thing. Your teacher, teacher, teacher. Your majestic, majestic, majestic teacher. That's what that's saying. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I did not come up with this. This is scripture. So he's referring here to Yahweh. I love it. So in this text, your teacher, Yahweh, will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see Yahweh in Adversity. He gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, and you're going to see him. I think of Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. He gets put in that pit. His brothers put him in the pit. If his brothers had not put him in that pit, he would not have ended up in the position he was in. So, what was God's bigger purpose? Remember? Save thousands. Not just his family alone, and yet, yet he did, but the nation from famine. Oh, Lord. What would happen if God did not send us these storms, these pits, these adversities? He's saying, look at me. Refocus. Look at me. Refocus your eyes. I'm not hiding from you during this difficult time. I'm not out to hurt you 
during this difficult time. I'm a tender, loving teacher, if you would, to redeem you. It's either C.S. Lewis or um, John Piper who calls us the unkind kindness of God. Which one is it? You're shaking your head, do you know? We've talked about it before. Piper? He uses a lot of C.S. Lewis, too. You know, I think of um, the last several weeks we've had, like, a whole bunch of snow up in Linden. We've had so much snow. We had school canceled for a whole week. We have to go to school till. June 20. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were stuck inside because we get these northeasterly winds that make these drifts. There's still snow there from these drifts that are just huge. They plow the roads and, they, and the wind comes and it just piles on top of each other. People were literally stuck in their house on the northeast side of our town. Literally stuck in their houses for a long time. Some, of, some people I'm sure were going, you know, stir crazy, wanting to get out. But I think sometimes... God does that. God gives us the flu. Because if some of you have been sick, God has us, you know, just sit and wait, just waiting for that baby to come. <laughs> there she says. Just waiting, trying to say, just listen to me. Just see me. Just take some time. Right? We've all been there. Take this time. I'm giving it to you as a gift. Reflect. I can remember sitting with my sister-in-law, Janice, in Seattle having a blood transfusion and I, I was at a point for some reason where I was just saying Lord I just want you to use me show me where you can use me show me show me show me more we talked about last night show me I want something new spiritually show me what else I can do for you and I remember specifically looking around that floor and saying hearing him say to me you've got to come back here there's one place you can go. All oh, these people on this floor are suffering. And she had a blood transfer her. Uh, she was there for a while on the floor. And she stayed. She went in for quick blood transfusions that took a day and then longer ones. But she, the, the floor is full of people who are just so broken. They're all around us. We just have to open our eyes and we need to see this as refocus. God's saying, I'm bringing these things to you. Just refocus and look and see. Sitting in that mud puddle, what are you seeing about God? Yeah, I tell you, when I, was sit, when I was sitting in that mud puddle and I found out it was okay and that Jesus could come and sit with me in that mud puddle, it made me feel like he, he's not just a majestic couple, he's He's just a tender, soft, loving God to sit with me here. Because I knew he was there with me. His goal is not to punish us through adversity, but to prepare us. Psalm 119.71. Here's a good verse if you want to jot it down. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. I claimed this verse for quite some time. It's good for me that I am afflicted because I get to learn your statutes. I know, oh Lord, that your judgments, your judgments are righteous and I can trust your judgments and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. You've afflicted me out of your faithfulness to me, not your anger towards me. You, you've allowed this to happen 
because you care about me. He is here to serve us. I just want to challenge you to begin looking at some of your afflictions, some of the things that come into your life that just feel like, this is in my way. This snow, ooh, it's supposed to snow again Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm not going to complain, I decided. <laughs> but we really have to make a choice <laughs> not to complain. What the Lord chooses to send our way are not hindrances. I like to think of them as instead of hindrances, it's going to take me to a new height. I had to find an H, so that worked for me. Instead of this being a hindrance for me, I'm going to look at this as something that's going to take me to a new height. So my son Mitch, I guess I've got to tell you real quick, I've got a whole bunch of kids still living in my house who kind of have... So I, only, I have a junior and a senior left who would be the only ones in my house if everyone left and stayed away. But they need help going through some transitions in their life, and we have a place where that works okay. So we have a couple more of our kids who've returned home figuring this out and a couple more that have come in that need to figure it out other than them that have been a blessing. But Mitchell, um, oh my, so Mitchell's 24 now, and um, you guys all saw him. <laughs> so um, he went down to George Fox, and he got his degree in um, health and human performance. And while he was doing that, he got um, uh, interested and involved in CrossFit, some of you might know what CrossFit is. It's a very highly disciplined um, competition that uh, you use your body across all parts of your body um, to do some incredible things with it. And it's a worldwide competition that's become pretty big. And Mitch has, um, God's done incredible things in his life. As the oldest son in our family, um, he has stepped it up to take his siblings through some real pain. And he's a, an incredible young man, I just have to say, isn't he, Grandma? <laughs> and um, he was living down in, he, for the last three years, down in Oregon, and he was a part of a CrossFit gym. Just real, I'll try to do this really fast. And this gym w uh, was owned and opened miraculously by a man and a, a woman not, uh, uh, in their young 30s who had just come out of prison. And they call this gym Rebuilt because they're trying to rebuild their lives on something, and it has to be a physical thing in this case, on something that can occupy their time and be good for their bodies other than what put them in prison to begin with. Almost all of them were in AA, and they've been on everything, done almost everything. Well, these kind of people seem to attract more of them. And so he actually, had, there's a gym down there, the box, we call it, is full of um, people who really need Jesus and who are hungry and thirsty. They want to make some right decisions in their life. They've really gone through it. Some are as old as I am. Some are much younger. I mean, there's... So Mitchell got introduced to this gym because he needed to put in some observation hours. <laughs> and he ends up cleaning the gym for him and ends up thinking, man, this might be something that I can finally use my discipline. He's a very disciplined man physically. That I could use my discipline and I wonder what God would do with this. So he gets to know the owner of this gym who eventually, um, because of Mitchell's housing situations, asked him if he would like to just come and move in with his family. So the husband and wife who own the gym and their three kids, kind of a blended family, kind of a mess. And, um, 
at Mitchell, at first Mitch said, ah, he, he went over there and looked at the house. There's just kind of a room up there for him, and I'm not so sure. And Doug, the owner, looked at him and said, well, if you, if you choose not to come and live with me, would you at least teach me what your Bible says? This was at a point where we were praying, Lord, what's Mitchell supposed to do now? He's done with school. And this was all we all needed to know, that he needed to stay there. And since then, he has, um, whew, he has been used, he stayed for two years with that family and um, has developed these relationships with these, this CrossFit community that we've been able to get to know well, and, and we love these people. In fact, last month, one of them, Scotty, who's uh, 56 or 57, one of Mitchell's best friends, <laughs> came up to Linden and... Um, because we'd gotten to know him, we had a we had a baptism, and he stood before our whole congregation one Sunday morning, and he and Mitch together told their testimony of how God had changed his life and what he had been through and what he has yet to go through, but not alone now. Amen. Yeah, what a thrill. Well, Mitchell had to come home <clears throat> because he's at a level in CrossFit now that he needed some better training and lots of food yeah and almost has needs to do this full time he just feels like the Lord wants him to give it all that he can just one, one or two more big shots and so he's got some huge competition this month that's going to take him into May if he makes it and then that takes him to a worldwide competition and so he's doing incredibly well for only being in his third or fourth year but he doesn't do it for um, he wants to be so careful because he's really a godly young man. He doesn't want people to get too hyped up about him. He wants this to be a platform. He doesn't realize that he's got a platform. He's already got this platform. Well, I, I don't know if you can understand this, but there is so much going on in an athlete that's an athlete at that level. Emotionally, like they're always in tune with their body because if their body breaks down, what they're doing with their all of their time. He trains and coaches too, so... It's all going to break down. Are you with me? Oh, it's so exhausting for me. <laughs> so I not only I not only try to keep him fed, like they have to, they really have to down a lot of calories. So we're talking like five meals a day. But he does a lot of it himself. But I have to have the food there. <laughs> so other than other than that, though, he just needs to be he needs to ha not be hurting and be strong. And so last Thursday night was his first real big um, thing that he had to do in order to make make the games in Portland in May, and um, I, we, I was just praying because he'd had some pain. He's got some hip pain right here, and he'd had some shoulder pain, and last year at the games, after he worked so hard all year long, his shoulder froze up, and I can't tell you how hard it is. He's out there on the floor with some of the top guys in the country because he qualified for that, and his shoulder seizes up, and he's struggling, and he's just can't do it after all this work and so the mama heart of me is just like lord please will you please just protect his body because he's working so hard and he's trying to give you all the credit for this and can you just do kingdom work through a healthy body <laughs> so so he woke up um friday morning was that yesterday he woke up yesterday morning after had done a fantastic uh job thursday evening to qualify just He's got four more things he has to satisfy, but he just did an amazing job. And um, he woke up in complete pain. 
both shoulders, just complete pain. And, and when you're so into this and you work so hard, you know, he goes to the gym several times a day, it causes your emotions to be on edge. And I didn't know this because they look like they're tough guys, but most of these hardcore athletes are very emotional because they don't know. They're always trying to assess things. And although he's trying to rely on the Lord, that there's a lot he's responsible for. So I'm just trying to give you a picture because I'm still trying to understand it. But he woke up with these sore shoulders. And I just, I couldn't understand this. I keep praying for him. <laughs> but this is one of those things where, is this going to be a hindrance or is this going to take him to new heights? And he said to me, he reminded me, because a couple nights before I was praying over his hip, his brothers and his sisters and his dad, we, were all, we put our hands on his hip and we just prayed over him. We said, Lord, please heal his hip. But he wanted to explain to us afterwards, this might be a Paul thing. This might be a thorn that he has put into my hip. And this might be something that I have to live with. And I'm not going to let this stop me. These were my son's words to me. I'm not going to let this stop me. I think God's going to give me whatever I need when I have to have it. Right now I'm in a lot of pain. And he's using this pain. I've got to learn to do this, Jocelyn, because it's too hard for me as a mom just to watch it. I've got to learn <laughs> to use his pain as taking him to new heights. I've got to trust the Lord for this rather than it hindering him. It's so practical, isn't it? It's so practical for us with our aches and pains physically as well. Just These don't have to be hindrances. God puts these in our lives to take, to realign us and to take us to that new place. We've got to re-choose, we've got to choose at some point to reject, to stop rejecting this pain and embrace it. I think that's what I saw Mitch do. Instead of rejecting this hip pain, he, he chose to embrace this. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a walk with Jesus. It takes being in his word and being so confident that these words are my food. Heights instead of hindrances. The third command that we see real quickly in, um, in the next part here, <clears throat> you'll pick it up. Um, and your ears, <clears throat> it says in verse 21, so he's talked about crying, he's talked about seeing him in the midst of adversity and affliction. And then it says in verse 21, and your ears shall hear a word behind you <clears throat> saying, this is the way walk in it. This is that teacher. This is that compassionate Jesus. This is that one who just got up from the puddle with you and saying, come on, come on, we can do this. And he's saying, this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, So he's not only saying to cry and to watch and to see, but I want to camp on this one just a little bit because he's saying, now listen and hear. Hear my voice. Know him. 
The sheep know the shepherd's voice, but you've got to know. There's no quick way to suddenly know God's voice. I have, I've learned this throughout my life. There's no quick way. <laughs> it's just digging in. It's being true to Scripture. i got to see my kids in the Word for me to be confident that they're hearing from Him. Boy, I can let them go when I know they're in the Word. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, walk this way. How do you recognize this voice? How do you recognize it when he says, No, Linda, this way. Turn to the left. Turn to the right. Walk this way. Can we just do something real quick? Maybe you don't want to do this, but let's just, just to lighten you up a little bit, can we just take a minute or two minutes? Can you answer this question the best you can? Maybe, maybe for you, hearing God's voice is one certain way. How do you know? Or do you? How do you think you know when you hear God's voice? Can we just kind of like turn to like a couple people around you and just talk about this for a couple minutes? And then we're going to together, we're going to undig some stuff. But get this going in your mind a little bit. How do you know God's voice? Let's take two minutes. Maybe kind of bring your thoughts to a close. <clears throat> just want to remind us that although it's so very important to be able to discern the voice of God, we really um, do that through knowing Him. Right? There's not a magical formula to know his voice. Our goal, in fact, isn't really to hear his voice, but it's to know him. Because it's in knowing our shepherd that we recognize and discern his voice. Right? So, so I'm trusting that one of the things that was flown around in your conversations was that we look for him. We look for his character, right? We have to be careful that we don't sometimes take information that we have about somebody or um, even a piece of scripture here and a piece of scripture there 
and think we can nail an answer on something if it doesn't reflect the character of God. In a relationship, for example, if what you're about to do doesn't bring about unity in the long run, doesn't mean you can't admonish or have some time when there's uh, some separation in talking about this thing, but if in the long run this isn't bringing about unity, it's not from Jesus. Because he, unity in the body of Christ, is of utmost importance to the church's picture of who Jesus is. When the world looks at the church, they see a unified body, community, that reflects the love of God. So I just want to warn us, <laughs> this is all coming from personal stuff, right? We can't take things and call them holy or righteous if they are contrary to the character of God himself. I often look for peace. Do you too? Did that come up in your conversation? If this doesn't bring about peace, and if God is a God of peace, you need to check that. It doesn't mean, Mom, that you don't, you know, take care of stuff at home with your kids. That thing's going to blow up for a while. But you know that the goal there is biblical in that it brings about peace if it's done in a righteous way. Boy, we could talk about that a long time, couldn't we? That's why it's so important to know God. It's kind of why I started last night with just talking about who God is. It all comes down to do you know him? You can't hear him if you don't know him. So if you're not spending time in his word, and you're not in fervent prayer, I, I, I appreciate prayers over the kitchen sink. So about, I know about those. But there's more than that. There's five o'clock in the morning prayer. There's sacrificial prayer and Bible reading. When we want to get serious about knowing him. And we want to be serious about following him and hearing his voice. Because I, I, I know you have opportunities to speak into people's lives, don't you? There's people who are messed up right now in your life and you're trying to figure out how to direct them. And you need to hear from God. Because who am I to tell you anything if it's apart from the Holy Spirit's filling Oh, my goodness. I've got five 20-year-olds in my house right now. No, I do. Between 20 and 24, five of them. And a senior and a junior. So the other morning, I look outside, and there's Justin sitting in the grass. He's not a son. He's just one I love who's come to live with us for a while because he doesn't have a family who's directing him right now. Huh. So I look outside and he's sitting in the grass and I just walk out there and I say, so how's it going? He said, he said, Mama Lisa. <laughs> so he calls me, Mama Lisa, I'm 20, I'm 25. I'm going to be 30 pretty soon. What am I doing with my life? That is not uncommon. It's a good thing. He's searching. 
and couple, just last month, he jumped on an airplane and went to a mission thing in Hawaii, and he's going to be on a boat learning missions and trying to learn how to be a leader. He's not sure, but he's going through a door that he feels like the Lord's guiding him to. Oh, boy. I could tell you a lot of funny questions, like someone just recently said to me, so what do you think if I get a nose ring? And what's good and what's not good about that? So let's have a conversation, Mom, when we see somebody with purple hair. Boy, it's a good conversation. I can learn a lot from my 20-year-old kids. But I need to be seeking the Lord because I don't want to lead anybody anywhere except where the Lord is um, directing them to go. So I, I'm on my watch post, and I'm looking to see what the Lord's going to say to me I think part of our job is just to be available to people. And so part law, I teach twice a day, but the other days I'm just, I'm just available. We've got to just be available sometimes. Whew. Okay, I've got to not take the rabbit trail, but make margin time so you're available to the community of Christ and you're available in your home. You need to make margin time so that you can hear the voice of God and speak the voice of God into people and connect them to Jesus. We'll talk more about that this afternoon. The second thing, and this is right along with that, how do I know it's from the Lord? Because it's something that pushes me to see him. I know I'm hearing the voice of God if it's pushing me to see him or who I'm talking with to see him. He doesn't waste time. God is such an intentional God. I love the word intention. He's meaningful. He's intentional. I remember when we were living here and we would go over to, to Dave and Phyllis's house with our kids and take them swimming in the Bonaire pool over there. And... Uh, we were in the midst of uh, filling out adoption papers. I've shared this with some of you, I think. There's a lot of that story I haven't shared with you guys, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so one time I remember walking into the pool area, and I had my packet of papers that I'm filling out for the adoption and for this mission trip that we're going on and because we're, go we're going to Africa for four months. And, um, <laughs> and, I remember, and I have five kids with me, and they're all jumping in the pool, and I'm, I'm, I walk over, and this lady says to me, did I hear, she's looking at those five, did I hear that you're adopting? <laughs> I said, yeah. She said, whoa, I've got two kids, and I know that that's all God intends for me, and that he knows that's all I can handle. I said, well, yeah, I, we're not adopting because I can handle eight kids. I can't handle five kids on my own. So this isn't about what I can handle. I remember saying to her, this is really because God wants to show how big he is. This has nothing to do with me handling eight kids. He was pushing me to see him as bigger than we normally do. That was one way my kids knew that we were to adopt because we had a pretty healthy home with these five kids. And when we came to them and asked them, what do you think, guys? Mom and dad are kind of wondering. We're, we're looking into this. 
no, we came to them and we said, what do you think about going to Africa for three or four months and just living there among the poor people? Grinding millet with the women? This is what my dream was. What do you think? Jason's the only one who said, well, what about soccer? <laughs> what about my soccer team? <laughs> but everybody else, and he too, eventually, yeah. But at that same moment, in the next breath, they said, but how can we go over there and play with these kids who have no family and not bring them back to join our family? That's what began the adoption process. That and one of my favorites at that time was little Shinda. She grabbed my heart and I wanted a Shinda. A little grandchild, right, Martha? He wanted us he wanted my kids to see him as bigger, see more of Jesus. And we knew this was the voice of God through our children. And we have seen him in amazing ways through a lot of adversity. But we are the people we are because he's pushed us. He hasn't let us sit. He's put hindrances, let's not call those, new heights in our way. The third thing I want to say is, um, it, on, if you're doing your little note thing, it's one more. I don't know how many of you have gone to see this new movie out, Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody? Hacksaw Ridge, I haven't seen it yet, I'm just telling you. But I did see most of it, or some of it, that I could allow myself to see. I, have, I don't like a lot of blood and stuff. Um, but my boys and their dad went to see this, and it's a rated R movie, and it's because of the devastation of um, what happened in Okinawa when the Japanese came and bombed and obliterated much of the American army, the United States army. And there was this one guy there. He's a medic. And I don't know, I can't remember the term the kind of person who doesn't want to shoot a gun. What? Yeah. And there's another word. Yeah, that's the one my husband told me about. Conscientious objector. <laughs> so I just have to tell you this one scene that's really made an impact on me. And I, ju I just saw this, the movie, yesterday. I've just been hearing my husband talk about it with tears in his eyes every time he tells about this one scene. So there's this young... 20-year-old young man who wants to go and serve his country, but he does not believe in shooting a gun. He does not believe that it's right to shoot a gun and kill any of God's creation. None. Doesn't matter the situation. But he wants to go and serve. So he goes as a medic. He talks him into letting him go. Not going to shoot a gun but I want to go. So he's at the top of this ridge. And, and there has been, he has lived through weeks, I don't know, probably months of people being blown up and him going and getting his guys and taking them to some kind of, so they could get some treatment for a blown off leg. or a, It's just happening all around him heightened, very intense. And it shows this one scene after 
Um, days and days of this, no sleep, but just working to help save these people. It shows this scene of him just being completely exhausted and seeing bombs come left and right. And one of those rifle fire, because they were right here, the Japanese were right here, and they were right here. There was a ridge right here where, oh, if he could only get them over to this ridge, he knew there were some Americans down there that could perhaps help, his, help some of these guys that he's been trying to rescue. But the bombs keep coming, and his buddy, who has made it with him this far, they have just hid from shelter to shelter and tree to tree behind body after body. His friend gets blown up, but he's not quite dead yet. So you can imagine the scene and the movement in his heart as he sits there with his friend and bullets are going all around him and he's, don't leave, no, hang on, I'll get you there. His friend dies. And he starts just screaming out and he looks around at this massive, and this is the part that's hard for some of us to see, but it's reality, this massive field of bodies. His, his, his friends, and he looks at this massive sea, and, and he um, looks up, and he says, Where are you? I can't hear you anymore. Medic, help me. Help me. Medic. And through the bullets, they're still coming from the Japanese because every time they see movement, they start firing. And they're firing on him. And he runs to who he hears saying, help me. And he drags them, I want to say it was several hundred yards. He's dragging them over to this ridge where he has figured out that where he can take, if he takes this big rope and wraps it around himself, and around this tree to be used as a pulley, and to wrap it around this other boy, this other body, he can help let this guy down all the way down this ridge that to me looked like the Deception Pass. It was long, it was like one of these tall trees out here. And he did it with one. And then he stopped and he said, okay, So he'd go to the next crying guy, and he'd drag him over to that ridge, tie the rope around himself, tie the rope around that guy, and say, just trust me, just trust me, hold on. And he'd take his foot and just push him over the side and just let him down. And he was exhausted, and he did this. Twenty guys, and his hands were bleeding from this rope, and he was so tired. And he'd just look up at the sky, at heaven, and he'd say, Lord, one more, just one more. And he'd go after another one. This is a true story. And he'd go after another one. And he, he would drag him through the firing bullets. And he'd do it again. And he'd do it again. Each time he would look up to heaven. And he'd say, Lord, just one more. Just one more for you. 
one more life. He saved 74 men that night. Just one more, God. Help us to hear you so that we we would save one more. And we look and watch and see and wait and move. Just for one more, God. It's all about his kingdom. One more. important to me that we feel the breath of God upon us. I mean, he must have felt the breath of God give him enough energy to go back out there. He had to run back out there. I mean, several hundred yards he had to go out there to get the body to bring it back, to push it over and help it down. Just one more. All about the kingdom. Life is all about the kingdom. We can handle adversities Hindrances can be new heights for us if we just keep our eyes and ears open to the voice of God over there. Sometimes all we need to hear is that homeless person saying, help me. Or that grandchild saying, help. That's the voice of God. You ask to hear God's voice, and then you hear of a need, fill the need. Do good. That's how easy it is. Lord, help me hear your voice today. Go do good when God shows you a need. One more. Just one more. I can just touch on one last thing in closing. This might just take a couple, uh, ten minutes, if you can hang with me for ten minutes, because there's something, there's something about, um, sometimes there's things that are going on in our minds and things that have formed themselves in the ways that we think and do things that have become so habitual but it's preventing us from experiencing the fullness of God and hearing without any kind of a... Mm, I just had a picture of a um, children's sermon Phil shared one time. Hear about a flashlight with kind of a filter over it. Do you remember this? He was shining up on the wall or something, and we just couldn't see the light very well. And when that filter was taken off, oh, the light was shining bright. There's sometimes things in our lives that create this filter that cause us to not hear clearly or see clearly. Have you ever tackled any of these things? These become sin issues that put us in a cycle of um, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, and we don't even realize it. Sometimes we don't even realize we're in sin because we've been thinking this way for so long. If I can just give you a couple examples that have been so real for me in the last couple of years. 
things, times where I just knew by being on my knees that, oh, Lisa, you're going down the wrong path here. There's the circle of blessing I want you to stay in so I can bless you. And there's what I always taught my children. There's the danger zone. And you're going this way. And you don't even realize it. It's the Holy Spirit's job and my community of believers around me to bring you back to the circle of blessing. So I'm going to try to do that with you right now. Because there were things that I was thinking, things that I was wrestling with, and I didn't realize that I was thinking such wrong thoughts. And these trapped me. And they're all just so stinking practical. They're just everyday things. So at one point, several years ago, um, my, a lot of my kids were like in their young, their teens, a whole bunch of teens. I had five teenagers in my house at one time. And my youngest one at that time, he just didn't want to be there. Our adopted son had a really hard time when we left here. Well, first my adopted, oldest adopted daughter did, and this part's okay for me to say to you. They really struggled. And they had outside influences that led them down this path. Some lies that they were fed that caused them to be very confused and fearful. And so Kelsey at one point left our home when she was 15. She went to the Job Corps down in Tongue Point, um, Astoria in Oregon. Very tough years, very, very uh, violent years. I understand a home, especially when James caught on to this, very, I understand a home that is uh, fearful to go to bed at night because you're not sure what's going to happen in the middle of the night to you. <clears throat> but I can remember one of my greatest concerns in the midst of this turmoil and confusion was watching my other kids. And, man, I needed to know they are with me. I, want, I needed to know I was doing the right thing because I never knew if I, I never, I just never experienced this. I didn't, I, I just did not really know how to handle some of what was coming at me on a day-to-day -day basis. And I can remember sitting on um, one of my chairs and watching my, my beloved son Cameron walk downstairs and he had rolled his eyes at me. And it crushed my heart. And at one point I was sitting out on the steps because he was really close to James. At one point I was sitting on the steps outside. Just I had just tried to do my best with James and I didn't know if I did or not. And, and, and he came out and he said some things to me that hurt me, Cameron did, because he was a weird place. He's trying to take care of his son and his brother and he's trying to take care of me and everything's not peaceful at the time. Oh, it was so hard. And I, I remember... Um, over and over again, I'd lay in bed at night, and I just felt like I was failing as a mom. Why? God asked me one morning, Lisa, what makes you think that you're failing as a mom? Well, why well, I felt like I was failing was because I would look at Cameron's face, and I'd hear Cameron's words, and I'd look at 
Kelsey's face, and I'd look at Mitchell's eyes, and I'd all these, uh, and I'd look at Abby, just not knowing what to think when, so just go to her room, I, and I'd look at all of them to tell me if I was effective or not. That's a big lie. The Lord showed me it's a big lie. It is not another person's response to me that validates if I'm effective. That puts way too much responsibility on you to show me by your face whether I'm being effective or not. No way. I'm going to lay in bed at night and I'm going to say, Lord, did I obey you today? Because if I obeyed you today, then I was effective. Because your word tells me that if I remain in you and you remain in me, I will bear fruit. Whether I feel like I did today as a mom or not, I'm going to claim the promise of God. You hear me? We come up with these thoughts in our head because we're under pressure that cause us to think things that are not true and we become trapped in them. I've got to let go. I'm just praying right now, Holy Spirit of God, would you please show my sisters as I share some of mine, Lord, you please show my sisters anything that they're thinking, that they're banking on that's just not true. And free them, Lord God. Free them with the truth of your word. Replace the lies with the truth, Father. Oh, this is my prayer for you today, sisters. So this is what I did. This is what I did. I wrote down my lie. And this is what it says. In fact, I'm going to give this to you. I renounce the lie that the responses of my children validates me as a mom. I renounce the lie. And I wrote this down. I renounce this. And I'm going to declare the truth. So I wrote down the truth in a statement. Uh-oh. I wrote down the truth in a statement and followed it up with scripture. Because I came to realize that this has become such a habit in my thinking that I need to break this habit of thinking. And that doesn't happen overnight. And it's not an easy thing. You have to work at it. And so what you see in front of you, is, is this is exactly, I, I, put, I put this in a and it's all, it was all wet because I take it to the gym with me and I'll be working on my elliptical and just reading this out loud because it was so hard when I dropped him off at school that morning. And I needed to fill my mind with the truth. And I did it for 40 days because I read somewhere that it takes about 40 days to change a habit. So I'm telling you, I did this faithfully and I still pick this up. And I renounce the lie. Will you read this with me? Because I think some of you are right here. I renounce the lie that the responses of my children validates my effectiveness as a mom or grandma or an aunt or a friend. Read the next one. Let's declare the truth. I declare the truth that my purpose and responsibility is to please God with my parenting, not my children. I must measure my effectiveness against the word of God and my obedience to him 
I will bear fruit when abiding in him and him in me. And I went to scripture. Because it's not enough just for, fill, to, for me to fill me with what my own thoughts. Fill your mind with truth. I love this first one. Galatians 1 verse 10. For I am now, am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please a man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This brings freedom. I can't, I, I, I just can't please my husband even. I can't please all of you. I, we can't, can we? No, we're here to please God, not man. We're here to serve man. The next little verse, all good things come from above. This was saying to me, anything good that comes from your mouth, Lisa, comes from above. Because I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. I didn't know how to respond to these words that were coming at me. I didn't, I didn't know how to respond to threats. I did not know what to say. I still don't know what to say to Justin when he says, what do I do with my life? Anything good that comes from my mouth, Jesus comes from me. All oh, that puts me in the place of submission. Look at the next verse. I love, we can claim this. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in him, you bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. Just claim that every day. And you can leave the house knowing that you're going to be fruitful no matter what the look is that you get back. Really? Oh, it's so real. I see him rolling his eyes again at me when he's walking down the stairs later on, and, I, and now I'm armed. It's okay if I don't see the fruit right now. I'm going to see it sometime. And let me tell you, my son Cameron is a 21-year-old, a 20-year-old right now who's on fire for Jesus. If there's anyone that's going to show me how to walk according to the Spirit right now, in practical ways, it's my son, Cameron. If I'd have pushed him according to my fears, and according to my lie, I could have drove him right out of my house. I probably would have. I can't live that way. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God first, the kingdom of God. All these things we have to God claim these truths. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, I needed this, not to think too highly, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, as a mom... We grow up, uh, uh, sorry, as a mom, <laughs> we grow our kids up thinking that we're right about most things. Think about it. When you have little ones, you better be right because they're going to follow you, right? 
I started thinking about this the other day. We really convince ourselves in a lot of ways, I think, that we're right about things. Because we're running this house. It's time to go to bed. You need to take this medicine. This is why you say please and thank you. You should think about this when you're going into that context. Right? Wow. We better be careful. God has given us wisdom when we seek it as moms. But we need to remember that real wisdom comes from above. And to think of yourself with sober judgment. According to the measure of faith, God has chosen and entrusted you with. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So acknowledge, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. I just needed to remember I, I'm okay. In fact, I'm super valuable. I'm of a, I'm a value. I'm a mixed up, messed up mom, but I am of value. And if I will just acknowledge my Heavenly Father in the way that I live before my children, He will honor that. Here's another one. I just want to read this. I, I won't read this whole thing. But there's another lie that I got drowned in for a little short time. I, w I wanted answers. And I renounced the lie that the Bible lacks direction pertinent to my life. You ever been here where the Bible seems kind of dry? And you're not totally confident that when you open up the Word, you're going to find something there that's going to feed your soul. I've been through the dry times. So I renounce the lie that the Bible lacks direction pertinent to my life and that I will be disappointed and not receive direction when I read it. I'm being really vulnerable here. <laughs> but I, I was feeling this way. And I knew it wasn't true up here. So I proclaim the truth that your words of promise cannot fail to bring me into the richness and fullness of eternal life. It's a promise that I, that I just clung to. It can't fail. And I grabbed hold of just a couple, oh, I did a whole bunch of verses actually, because this was, I got in, anyway. Psalm 119 is just really cool. But all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correcting, for training in righteousness. That this woman of God may be thoroughly equipped by scripture for every good work. And I'm claiming this. I'm just making a choice. Okay, I'm not feeling the Bible thing right now, but I think I know the Bible thing because I've experienced it in my life. So I'm going to claim these truths. And I start reading these every day. second one I read was, as rain and snow come down from the heavens and do not return there, but water the earth, and it makes it spring forth and sprout and give seed to the sow and bread to the winter, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. This is Isaiah. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you, Lisa, shall now go out 
in joy and be led forth in peace. So I claim that scripture. I'm going to read this and it's going to water me so that the words that come out of my mouth are going to be fruitful and accomplish that for which he sent me here for. You know other ones. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. This was my cry. My soul is waiting for you, Lord. And in your word, I hope. And I can remember, and I still do this when I feel like I'm not trusting in the Bible like I should be. I still take this out, and I read these for several days to remind myself of these freeing truths. I'm trying to do what it says in Romans 12, verse 2, transform your mind by the living word of God. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world and the ways that we think, but be transformed. That's our responsibility. You go and be transformed in the way that you're thinking. Can't be lazy in it. This was one of my favorites. Do you ever feel this? My soul melts with heaviness. My soul melts with heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word, O Lord. Remove from me the way of lying. And grant me your law. Grant me your word graciously. This is his word. Um, the one that I don't have reference. I think it's Psalm 119. I think it's in that, in that chapter. I was just hearing so many lies and still do hear lies quite often that I have to take these and replace these with the truth of God's word. And you have to find a method that's going to help you work at this so that you can be transformed in some of those habitual lying thought patterns. It's not a magical formula or anything. I'm not talking at all about that. I'm talking about soaking in the truth of God's word and replacing what's not true. If you're struggling in an area right now, you need to stop and ask yourself, Lord, show me what it is that I could be thinking that's not true. That might be putting me in a place of anxiety or fear or disunity. It's that thing that's keeping me awake right now. What's my thought pattern that might not be true that I need to work at replacing? Most freeing exercise for me than I've ever experienced. I did one of these on my body. I encourage you, Lord, show me. Purify my heart, Lord. Completely pure. I don't want anything in me that's not pure. 
so I renounced the lie that the more fit and thin I am, the more value I have. It's a lie. And that other people's perception of me determines my value. I gotta wear the right thing. I wanna look, I wanna look at least as good as her, or and we do this comparison thing. It's a lie that other people's perception of you determines you, determines your value. Ladies, you might know this up here, but I'm thinking some of you struggle with this. I was hoping that by the time I was 55, I wouldn't even think about my weight anymore. You still think about it when you're 65? Man. But you know what? Thank you. But the truth is, this is the truth I claimed, and you know this truth from Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The next one that I loved was, I'm a temple of God, and I will honor God with my body, and I need to do that by what I eat, and what I don't eat, and the way that I spend my time, and how I take care of my heart. But I am God's temple, nobody else's, almost, and I will honor Him with my body. I'm just saying, I'm married. And the verse that my mama gave me when I was born, Psalm 139, she commits to my mom, if y'all haven't met a beautiful lady, she's right here. The Psalm 139 she committed to me when I was born. It's been my verse from her, it's been my chapter from her. For you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me, and I just claim this, you knitted me together in my mama's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made like this. Wonderful are your works, O Lord. And I'm going to claim this even though I don't feel it sometimes. My soul knows it very well. You don't have to feel this. You choose it. Right? Choose these truths. Or am I seeking the approval of man or of God? I use that one for the same thing. And I am a workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works. I got more, I call these stronghold busters because these are strongholds in our life that the enemy uses to take us down or to fill us with lies so that we can't live out the freedom that's been purchased for us. I'm going to end with this, but I, I just want you to grapple with it. When I have um, taught a similar thing back up in Linden at my church, I, I, the, the women have gone home and worked on this. I can't make sure you're going to do your homework. <laughs> I just desire, I have to just give this to the Lord, and just, I just desire with all my heart that you um, take seriously those things that you find yourself 
getting heated up about, those things that you find yourself anxious over, those things that frustrate you easily. What frustrates you? Better check it and ask the Lord, this just doesn't feel like the peace of God in my life. I don't feel like I reflect you, Jesus, well when I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm um, anxious. So please show me what it is that I am not getting here. What is the lie? And ladies, we're deceived, so we often don't see it because that's what deception is. So you ask the Holy Spirit to illumine your mind and your eyes and your ears to hear from him because you're praying God's will. What is it? What's that lie that I have been thinking about that I maybe don't even realize in my flesh on my own is a lie, but it's keeping me from being what God wants me to be. It's trapping me. I can make excuses for it, but it's still wrong. to discern what the Lord's wanting to do right now. Do you have anything, Jocelyn? Can we just close our eyes for a minute? And we're going to close. of you might want to just take a walk for a minute or take your paper and a pen and um, just go somewhere and jot down anything that the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. And that means you just say, okay, move my pen. And you just write. And you write anything that comes to your mind. That's how I did these stronghold busters. And then I came back and I cleaned it up a little bit. But you just write. And you don't stop, oh, I think that's from the Holy Spirit. Oh, that might not be. No, you just write. And you be confident because right now you're seeking the Holy Spirit's filling. And so he's going to speak to you and you need to just write. So give it a try. If you don't do this very often, you've got to start somewhere. So you're just going to write. So let's commit this to the Lord. And then I'm going to excuse you. And I, I'd like it just to be quiet in, the, in this church for um, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And you find a place anywhere and just ask the Lord. Let's ask the Lord right now. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to just, we know you're here and we know that you're working right now. And we know that you want your girls to be walking in complete freedom. And we know that you came so that we can have life abundantly. And so we don't want anything to hold us back from hearing you fully, from reflecting you. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us now. 
show us anything that we think that we have going on in our mind that causes us um, to have these feelings of anxiety or frustration or anger or doubt. Show us what it is, Lord Jesus, if there's any lie, anything that we can replace with your beautiful truth. We need this, Lord God, so we ask you to do this now. Rain, blow your breath through this church. Holy Spirit, we pray. I ask that you would hold back the enemy from any discouraging thoughts right now in this building. Any discouraging thoughts that would say, oh, I won't hear from him. Any discouraging thoughts that say this is not for me, Lord, we ask that you would hold back the enemy, but that your freedom would reign right here. Now, Lord Jesus, in these next 10 or 15 minutes, do some work in my sisters and in my heart and guide our pens, guide our thoughts to write. As you go, ladies, and spend 10 minutes or so, I I don't want you to get frustrated. You can't think of passages. Right now, let's think about what is the lie, what's the truth that he wants to give to you. And we can work on filling in scripture passages that you can memorize. And memory is just saying them over and over again, once a day. Please go as the Lord leads. Let's just have it quiet in this beautiful church for a small period of time.